You're listening to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Our guest today is legendary investor Jim Rogers. This episode is brought to you by Exigma DeFi, the world's first publicly backed decentralized exchange. Exigma is building an industry-leading decentralized cryptocurrency exchange and stablecoin network that solves all the prevailing issues with decentralized finance and automated market makers. Exigma's award-winning development team is working hard to capture the true value of decentralized finance. Visit them at xsigma.finance to learn more. I'm your host, Dustin Plantle. Join us as we dive into the world of economics, politics, tech, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. For even more crypto-related news, sign up at news.bitcoin.com or follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin.com. Now let's bring on our guest. Jim, welcome to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Dustin, I'm delighted to be here. It's been a long time since I was in Baltimore. Terrific. Well, sir, I got to say, I mean, you've got your mojo and yet you are turning 78 years old. What's that like? Well, I guess it's better than the alternative. Uh, (laughs) You know, so far, so good. I'm having a lot of fun, a whole lot of fun, uh, and I hope I can continue. Uh, I guess my 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 goal is to be shot dead when I'm 95 years old by a jealous boyfriend. <laughs> 95 years old. I mean, how do you set goals? I mean, are your goals today the same as they were 10 years ago and, and so on? Well, probably 10 years ago, yes. Um, I never had children, Dustin. Uh, I thought children were a horrible waste of time, energy, money. I was never never going to have children. I felt sorry for my friends who had children, but then I had one and I realized I was wrong about children. So my goals changed. I was 60 years old when I had my first child, 60 years old, 65 when I had my second. So that changed my goals and who knows what my goals will be in 10 years from now. But at the moment, my main goal of these two two daughters. Wow! And what's it like being a dad, especially of a of a girl or two girls? Well, if you're going to have kids, have girls. Girls are much better than boys. Don't bother <laughs> with boys. One reason I didn't want to have children because I was the oldest of five sons, and I didn't want any of that. And I certainly didn't want boys around. Five my house. sons. What What was it like in your house? I mean, that must have been pretty nutty. Five boys running around. Well, it was indeed, and my mother was an only child, so she was in over her head. We might have, she might have gone mentally insane <laughs> with these five little boys suddenly showed up. You know, she never, never had a sibling, much less boys around. So, anyway, we all survived. We all became somewhat successful, so we're all happy. And your dad was military. I mean, were, were, was the house pretty strict? Were you allowed to do whatever you wanted, or was it, uh-oh, dad's coming? Well, he was military during the Second World War. He didn't. He was not a career soldier. As soon as the military, the war was over, he got out. I mean, he's in the reserves and all that sort of stuff. But no, he was strict. He definitely was strict. He was an officer in the army, and he grew up being strict. And he thought children should be should be strict with children, and he should. That's the way people should be raised. Now, throughout your career, I mean, you have you've done quite a number of things. You you went on a road trip and a yellow car. Uh, you've written many novels or many books on on different subjects, and yet you still find the fuel to keep going. How do you do that? And how do you, 
Like, what pushes you? What drives you? I'm having fun, Dustin. As long as I'm having fun, I, I want to do things. Uh, I guess I could get a shuffleboard and play shuffleboard all day, but so far I'm having a lot of fun <laughs> doing a lot of things all over the world. And you, your investor friends, I mean, many of them have over the years decided to go buy their islands and go hang out in uh, you know, certain parts of Florida, and, and yet you decided to, to go to Singapore. Why Singapore? Well, for many years, I have been telling people, writing, broadcasting, et cetera, that everybody should teach their children and grandchildren Mandarin because it's going to be an extremely important language in the 21st century. Well, then I suddenly had one. I realized I couldn't really do it in New York. I was doing it, but it was not going to be terribly successful. So I decided I needed to move to a place where she had to speak Mandarin. And Singapore, I don't speak uh, Mandarin. So Singapore, they speak English and Mandarin. And China's very polluted. It certainly was then. It's less now, but it was it's still very polluted. So Singapore, here we are. Everything works in Singapore. It's a great place. It, it is a beautiful place. I was there back in November, uh, and the people were incredibly warm. It was clean. You felt safe. Um, so tell us, me, th- throughout your career, and I, I love entrepreneurs, what was your first job? Mike, what was the first thing that Jim Rogers did to, to make a few dollars? Well, it was only a few pennies in those days. Uh, <laughs> at first, I was five years old, and I was paid to pick up the bottles at baseball games, the empty bottles. So, you know, the, in those days, you had to pay a deposit. So the lady paid me five cents for every 24 bottles that I picked up at the wow. baseball game. Uh, and that was my first job. Probably it'll be, it'll be illegal now. I mean, both of we she'd go to jail and I'd go to jail. Of course. But uh, and then the next year, uh, I got the concession myself, and I was selling Coca Colas and peanuts and at the baseball games. I was six, <laughs> six and I was an entrepreneur. Yeah, I was an entrepreneur. And and did you always know that it was who you were? Like, did you have to fight for it, or did it come easy? Well, nothing came easy in this backwoods place where I live. There was nobody had any money, nobody had anything, nobody knew anything. My phone number was five, Dustin. Uh, that was not a typo. Five, one five was my phone number. So yeah, you had to. Nothing came easy. Nobody had any money. Nobody had anything. But there's a belief today. I mean, there there are people that complain when things are too hard. You know, I always say that as an entrepreneur that you got to start off as being the janitor. You you're the one to pick up the trash on the ground. You're the one to clean. Yet that is not the mentality that people think that success just comes overnight. I mean, this took a journey for you to get here. Uh, when my daughter turned 14, I told her she had to get a job. I mean, obviously, I can afford for her not to have a job, but I told her she had to have a job because you got you got stuff you have to learn about life. I thought she would go to McDonald's and get a job making $8 an hour. She's smarter than I am. She got a job teaching Chinese at $30 an hour. Wow, that's she remarkable. She complained. <laughs> she complained because the grown-ups make $70 an hour. So, uh, but anyway, I, I'm teaching my children. They have to know about life and jobs and work and everything else. Yeah, you know, this is a show that we talk about politics and technology and all things cryptocurrency. And I'm finding that it seems to be today that the world of politics has now come into the world of cryptocurrency. Why do you think that the two seem to be at odds with each other? Or why do you think there's a battle? 
Well, that comes to another question. Uh, the battle will be, it's not a big battle yet, but the battle will be because governments do not like to lose control of money. Uh, that is a monopoly they have. They have, at times, they've not had the monopoly, but they've always reverted and gotten the monopoly back because that way they have much more control over all of us. And I mean, I don't like it at all, but they love it. And money now is going to be on the computer. It's already started. In China, you cannot take a taxi with money. You cannot buy ice cream with money. You have to, everything is on the computer already, you know, on the, on your phone. Um, so it's already happened. Many countries are ahead of the U.S., but it is happening. So money is going to be on the computer. Governments love it. They, it's much cheaper. They don't have to print it. They don't have to transport it. They don't have to account for it or secure it or anything else. And they will know everything you do, Justin. They'll call you up one day and say, Justin, you've had too much tea this month. Stop drinking so well. No, every and they love that now. Of course, I hate it, and everybody else does too. So it's all all money is going to be on the computer, but it's going to be their money. Now the crypto guys, all of you guys, say, "Wow, we're smarter than the government," and they are. Of course, of course you are. But the government's got the guns, and the government. If the government says, you know, in the '30s, before a hundred years ago, people could use silver, gold, seashell, banks could print their own money legally, legally. Uh, but then 80 years ago, the Bank of England, most important bank in the world then said, from now on, it's an act of treason, treason to use anything for money except our money. Wow. Listen, just, treason means they execute you. So people stopped, stopped using other money and used government money. And that's going to happen again. Governments don't want to lose control. I mean, I hate for governments to have any control, but who cares what I think? I don't have the guns either. So that's the, the conflict. I mean, I don't see that much conflict right now, but there's certainly going to be. Uh, and, and every government, well, nearly every government in the world does it, as you probably know. They're all working on computer money, internet money now. The U.S. is, everybody is. The Chinese are way ahead, but everybody's going to have it eventually. And in my view, the governments are going to say, whether they say it's an act of treason or not, they're going to make it very painful if you don't use their money. And so do you see them doing away with things like Bitcoin? Will they outlaw it? Well, they don't have to outlaw it, but if they say it's against the law, that's you're not going to use it. Uh and knowing governments and the history of governments for thousands of years, yes, the best periods in world history have been when we could use anything we wanted as money. The 19th century, we could use anything, literally. If you had a bank in Baltimore, the Bank of Maryland, you could print money, said Bank of Maryland right on it, say $1, $5. It was legal, perfectly legal to do that. Uh, and everybody was happy. But as I said, long came the 1930s and all those laws changed and you couldn't do it anymore. Those are great years. It's much better if people can use whatever they want. Bitcoin, seashells, anything you want. But governments don't like that. And so how do you make decisions then of your financial future? How do you invest into a new asset class if it could be taken away so quickly? 
Well, that's for you to decide. I don't have any any cryptocurrencies. I'm sure you do. You know, this is this Bitcoin podcast. I'm sure you have a crypto podcast. I'm sure you have some, but I don't. So how do I invest? Well, I, you know, I got a little gold right here in my pocket. I always have a little gold. Always have a little, a little gold. And, you know, I think it's amazing. You, know you need a little yeah. gold, a little silver, so... So I'm I'm ready. <laughs> you got your gold and 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 you're ready to your bug out bag. You got your gold and silver. Uh, and yep, what, there are ways to uh, to invest. You don't have to invest in just in cryptocurrencies. Uh, you know I love gold and silver. Now, your generation. You know I, I know that it is when we look at the millennials. So my side, my my side doesn't like to walk around with gold and silver in their pocket. Um, it's a different mindset. And do you see that shift continuing? Uh, shift considering two gold and yeah. silver or two crypto? Either one. Well, I own a fair amount of gold and silver. I, I didn't buy gold and silver between 2010 and 2019. Never sold, never sold any. Uh, then I started buying again in the summer of 2019. I'm buy, I've been buying again. Not buying at the moment because there's a correction going on, which I expect to last for a while longer. But no, I plan to buy a lot more gold and silver. And so why do you Before think... This is, yeah, I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen when we look at the current governments around the world? They are turning on the printing press. I mean, what is that? How does that end? Badly. Very, very But badly. not according to them. Uh, I mean, they're saying, no, 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 we we can keep doing it. And we're telling you, it's not going to have an impact. It's going to be fine. So is that a lie? What? Of course it's a lie. The government's been lying to us for thousands of years. You haven't learned that, Justin, Dustin? I mean, for God's sakes. You know, and Mr. Goebbels, remember Mr. Goebbels in Germany 100 years ago? He said, listen, you say the same thing enough, they believe it. If you keep telling a lie over and over and over again, everybody believes, and they do. You know, it didn't, well, it did Mr. Goebbels good for a while. <laughs> in the end, it didn't help him. He, you know, he lost everything. But no, governments always lie, and they will lie again. They're lying about this. And also, you know, at the moment, whenever there are bad times, if there's a new theory around, people try it. You've heard of MMT, more money today. You know, it just says print it all up. It's okay. And everything will be okay. And people say they need a free lunch. They want a free lunch. This sounds great. Uh, you remember Mr. Marx? Mr. Marx had a new theory, too. A lot of people tried it for a long time. I mean, we now know Marxism is totally a fraud, didn't work. But for a while, a lot of people tried it because it sounded good. People are going to try this for a while. And this may go on for longer because every government wants a, an easy out. Every Everybody wants a hot tip. Everybody wants a free lunch. And this may last for a while. But in the end, not just in the end, hard assets are going to be the way to survive. And so what do you see all the way out? Will there be a point where the the currency has no value? Or what happens when you do keep printing and when a country keeps going deeper and deeper in debt? Do they just continually tax the people till there's nothing left? Dustin, it's always happened that way. We've had many uh, major reserve currencies throughout history. None of them are still around. Uh, they've all disappeared after a while. Before last time it was the pound sterling. Before that it was the the Dutch guilder. 
Many currencies have been the world's reserve currency and the world's medium of exchange throughout history. They all come and go. And every one of them has gotten too much debt, gotten overextended, printed too much, and they passed it on to something else. hundred years ago, it was pound sterling. Now it's the U.S. dollar. But boy, we're the largest debtor nation in the history of the world. We're going to lose that status too. And so what will pick up the next? What becomes the next? Will it be a, a one world currency or where do we go? Well, as I said, all governments now are trying to put money on the internet. They're all trying for their own money on the internet. The Chinese already have it uh, in many cities uh, <clears throat> ahead of us. It will be, uh, governments will have their own internet money. It would be wonderful if we could get rid of all, most of these national currencies because it's inefficient and expensive to travel or to trade because you have to use change money all the time. And that's that's expensive uh, and it costs money to account for it, etc. So eventually, yes, we're each going to have money on the internet, money, government money on the internet, and perhaps we will have fewer currencies than we do now. It would certainly be more efficient there's no reason to have a Hong Kong dollar and a Pakistani rupee and a U.S. dollar, et cetera. Many of these, I hope, will disappear, make my life simpler and yours. Yeah. And so what advice would you give a, a younger you getting into investing today in 2020? Hopefully someone's been investing a lot longer than that. But coming into the market, you know, they, they're watching traditional markets go up and then go a little bit down and then go back up. Uh, they're hearing of all the calamities on the planet from what's going on in the world with the uh, the coronavirus to to uh, what the unknowns to political side. Like, how do you make decisions of your future when it comes to investing? What advice would you give a younger you right now? Uh, the only advice is to figure out your own passions and pursue those passions. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to your teachers. Don't listen to your friends. Don't listen to your mother, your father, figure out your own passions, no matter how foolish they are. If people laugh at you, Dustin, they're probably right. It's probably really right. So then you pursue your own passions and that's how you will be successful. And Dustin, people who follow their passion don't go to work. They wake up every day and start having fun. They never go to work. And those are the people who are successful because they're having so much fun. And even if they're not successful, they don't care. They're happy. What do they care if they're not, if they're not as <laughs> you, successful as you are? you got a big smile on your face. I, I can see that you are having <laughs> a lot of fun. I'm having fun, yes. And as I say, just figure out your own passion. And someday you'll probably be listed on the New York Stock Exchange because wow. you're having so much fun. Well, how about so that? So, Mr. Rogers, and by the way, you have a phenomenal name. I mean, I grew up watching a certain guy on TV, Mr. Rogers. So you've lived up to him today. How do we learn more about you, though, sir? No, I don't. I don't have anything to sell, uh, Dustin. Uh, I mean, you could read my books, I guess. Uh, my most recent book in English is called uh, "Street Smarts: Adventures on the Road and in the Markets." I drove around the world on my motorcycle once, and I drove around the world another time in a car. Wow. I've done a couple of books. Of, I mean, I spent five years driving around the world on two different trips. Incredible. You can read, about, you read a lot of stuff, but I don't have anything to sell. Well, I can tell you, you're an incredibly humble man. That's my words, not yours. And it has been an honor. I've been following you for, for quite a number of years, sir. 
Uh, you're an icon and a legend and a role model, especially for us dads out there. Thank you again for joining us on the Bitcoin.com podcast. Thank you, Dustin. Keep it up. You've listened to another episode of the Bitcoin.com podcast. Subscribe at news.bitcoin.com, where your journey begins.